Welcome, Tested Eye Illusions. You know, we've had a lot of very interesting guests over the years. We have college professors, we have actors, directors, all sorts of very interesting people. And we've had Big Brother house guests. We even had uh, somebody from Biosphere 2, which some might consider the original Big Brother house. Uh, two years in a big dome in, in Arizona or New Mexico. I should know that. Uh, we have never had a Big Brother winner, though. And everybody who's been listening to the show or follows me knows that I, I am very obsessed with not only Big Brother, but Big Brother Canada 10. And we have the winner of Big Brother 10 here with us to talk about not only just his masterful gameplay, a game that a lot of people didn't believe was possible to be played in the modern era. He did it. He pulled it off. Truly one of the great winners of BB North America. We have Kevin Jacobs here with us. Kevin, you want to tell us a little about yourself? Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me today, Ian. Um, so I'm Kevin. I won uh, Big Brother Canada 10. I guess that's why I'm here. Um, I've been a big reality TV fan since 2001 when Richard Hatch won Survivor. And then eventually that led me to the world of, of Big Brother. And uh, now I'm just living my life in uh, Toronto. I work in tech. Uh, I've had a girlfriend for a really, really, really long time. Um, and I've got a beautiful life before Big Brother. I'll have a beautiful life after it, but I'm excited to talk about it today. Well, I, I'm, I'm, you mentioned your girlfriend. I was just about to say that the finale mm. of Big Brother 10 was the great clash of the titans between uh, the married man versus the marine biologist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for listeners, uh, Kevin is is not married. He had a ring that he brought with him into the house. That was one of for live feeders. That was one of the great recurring gags of the show. And uh, uh, runner up Josh Nash, who's doctor. There was uh, he had also said that he was a marine biologist. And some people are still making memes about that. I saw one of them yesterday. On uh, people were making a fake uh, Big Brother twenty four roster, and it, on it was Joshua Nash, marine bi- uh, occupation marine biologist, uh, which was pretty funny. But um, well, well, I think it's kind of a cool thing to to lie about the the marine biology specific. Like, I'm not even talking about my lie. I just think Josh picking marine biology as a lie is is so interesting because it was a marine biology undergrad that he was selling. I think it's right. just so out there that nobody really questioned it. It's like, yeah, okay, you're in, in marine biology, great. So when you, if you ever do eventually get married, do you think you'll serve barracuda at the at the reception? Uh, yeah, I think I think that'll, that'll, that'll yeah, we'll, we'll have what one one barracuda table and one eel t- table probably. So there's a lot of there's a lot I want to get to uh, in this episode, and I, I guess the fact that you're a super fan is probably the most interesting thing. And the fact that you manage you you went into the house, you know how many how the game has been played so many times, different ways over the years, and I mean that kind of knowledge can sometimes really help somebody or it can sink them. But you found yourself on the block in the very first week mm-hmm. as a replacement nominee when Jess got themselves off. Uh, yeah. I think, do you think looking back on it all, it, it, do you think it helped you having been on the block early on? Or was it just like, how, how do you think that kind of shaped the rest of your game? Yeah, so especially if if we're talking, you know, uh, like sort of a little bit of game theory stuff today, um, I think it kind of kicked things into overdrive because once you're on the block, things become a lot more real, right? You're just hanging out. Things kick into overdrive when you're on the block. And I had to be way more focused and aware than I was before. And then after that, it doesn't stop because it's almost like, um, this is like, you know, if you really need to, to go pee, sometimes if you go pee, you're going to have to go pee again later. You're like breaking the, the, whatever. <laughs> I don't know why I'm using this analogy, but once I hit the block, it was open. Like the block was open for business and yeah, I managed to avoid it for a good chunk of the season after, but once that happened, you just have to focus up because it beca- the, the threat of eviction becomes way too real. Well, I think, I think that there can be a case where if somebody survives the block and you know, they don't freak out, they don't get like sent, sent away, then to other house guests, there can become the theory that, you know, that person survived it once they can handle it. Why not just put them there again and again and again? 
And you avoided that, I think, in particular, your season, Jess, once that they got on the block, that they were always, I mean, until they were evicted, there was always kind of the chance that they were going to be put up. And I guess, I mean, that's true of a lot of people, but I, I guess in, in the in the time that I've been preparing since you agreed to come mm. on, there's all there have been all these comparisons between you and uh, Dr. Will Kirby, who won the Big Brother Two, which is the the first modern, well, semi modern Big Brother in Power of Veto, but it's the you know head of household game. And I think in a lot of ways, it, it, the comparisons are somewhat I don't want to say overblown, but the more like I I, I watched Will's season earlier this year, and uh, the first doc, well I watched them both, but uh, Dr. Will's first season. I think in a lot of the early early ways that he played with Chilltown, like no one would want to do that in the modern game, like make everybody hate you and all of that. Like it's hard to think of the balance between strategy and good television. And to really get into game theory, I've been thinking a lot to draw the distinction between you and Will. You really have to look to uh, the work of Immanuel Kant. Oh, can you hear me? Are you good? <laughs> yeah, I can. I can. I love these. Went to Kant. Go, go for it. So the distinction, or, or I guess the comparison between you and Dr. Will through the work of yeah. Immanuel Kant is both of you played the game. Now, I, I look to Kant all the time because Kant gets a bad rap for saying you can't lie ever. And that's okay. not really true. I have a, actually a quote that he had here. But the categorical imperative, because Big Brother is a game where you do nothing but lie. Or not, not, not completely, but lying is a strategic part of the game. But I think what you two had in common was that you didn't lie badly to a lot of people. You didn't screw, you didn't totally really screw people over as the game went on because you had your close allies and you know Helena and Josh and they made it. But Kant says you know you can't to tell the truth is a duty, but only to the one who has a right to the truth. And within Big Brother, nobody really has a right to the truth except maybe your closest allies whose entire games are hinging on you. Okay, and so Will let's let's. Ha- Will didn't have go, any go, of those people. Going. Oh no, I mean, but but you you did, and you you never betrayed Helena. That that I don't think because you've you've been painted as like a, a villain, a master schemer. I don't think you ever really did anything that was really that morally wrong because you didn't betray any of your real allies. It- okay, so so a couple things to unpack there. One is the the. <laughs> the the uh oh since 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 we're into the academia we have to unpack right like that's that's like the <laughs> most course. academic word ever okay so first first the 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 will comparisons even a, a couple months later are, are like still pretty wild to me um and and like i i, I revere the guy i think okay. i think one of the the reasons why they happen is because i i do have like or had a unique play style and it's hard to draw a line any anywhere else i think that that um, you know, I mean, he's, he's, he's one of the goats. So to, uh, it, it's, so you always want to draw comparisons between players. Um, I kind of did my own thing and because of some of the stats, like, uh, you know, not winning an HOH, I think it's easy to draw that said on the, uh, moral on the Kantian moral side of things. Um, that's, that's like a line that, that listen, like everybody's going to have to draw for themselves. I was, uh, a hundred percent honest with Helena there. I mean, the, the only, there, there's one, there's one negative thing that I did to her. I kind of, you know, made her or, or, or told her that I was, I was being pretty rude in my goodbye messages in the hopes that it would get her to do the same. And it did that. That's like the one, the one knock. And it's not necessarily something that, that I'm the most, uh, proud of. Um, as for like lying as a, um, as a method in the game, um, it's actually quite a large concept and it's one that I didn't realize, uh, how deep it went in the house. Because if you assume that everyone is lying, which in some ways you have to, then it kind of changes the way you interact with people. As for what I did, which was like a really bad lie, the only massive one was 
swearing on my fake marriage that I would. Uh, so, so for anybody who hasn't watched the show, um, there, there's a moment where I swear on this fake marriage I made up, and it goes a long way. I'm working with uh, a guy named Marty. He's he's married. He's a big Family Guy. Uh, it, it potentially like maybe saves my game at that point. However. There are lots of all these like little lies of, you know, oh, maybe it's a lie by omission. Like you didn't, you don't tell somebody about something or maybe it's like, um, uh, just sort of bending the truth, which everyone does in the house and everyone does in real life, whether they admit it or not. But as for like the, the, uh, the big massive ones, the, the swear on the marriage is probably a direct one. And if you're going to do something like that, like it's kind of hard to go back on. So at that point, it would be very hard for me to work with Marty or Gino again in the game. JC Lynn like really didn't have another option. So that was there, but that's, that's my, that's my long answer to the, uh, the categorical imperative of, of <laughs> the connection to, to lie there. It's okay. We did Foucault and Tolstoy when uh, Kyle was on. So nice. It's, it's Naturally. Only fair, it's only fair we do Kant with, uh, yeah. Well, uh, okay. I want to ask you another big game theory. And this is as it relates to the idea of okay. the ha- the house as an entity, mm-hmm. because a lot of your season had votes that were unanimous or near unanimous. Yeah. And I think one of the sort of pivotal se- or really, I think the point where I started to, I mean, I was always a fan of yours, uh, but the, the point where you really just kicked in an overdrive for me was the chain of safety, the failed uh, removal of Gino. And then Gino calls the house in and he's going on like a Spanish inquisition to figure out who is, are the votes. And you're kind of sitting there thinking like, Gino, you're clearly probably the biggest target in the house. I always thought that Gino had the most paths to victory. And I mean, if you look at the HOHs, if he had spent his HOHs on, on doing things other than getting his own allies out of the house, like Kyle, uh, I mean, they, he would have been in a much better spot. But, like, we hear all the time, the house wants this, the house wants that. My mm-hmm. belief is, you know, there's not a point where you're – sometimes early in the game, it's like people saying, are people playing the game yet? I, I kind of think all the pieces matter. That's a book that was written about the wire. Um, there is like, – you, you – you, you start the game the second you walk into the house. So like the idea that you're just kind of like going for the social outcasts or somebody like Melina being targeted or Jess being targeted. Why would you use your HOH to like get rid of like that? If somebody, if somebody didn't look like they belong, I would try to basically keep them in the house as long as possible. Cause why, why would you want to get them out of the house? I mean, I think there are a couple things going on. The one is that if it was always that obvious that this is how you, win the game by getting, you know, a, like somebody like a big threat out, then, then I think everyone would do it. But I also think you're balancing the idea of like, it's a, a zero sum game, right? Like there's one winner uh, that you have to collaborate with people to get there. So there has to be like some sort of mutual um, goal setting and like, Hey, if we, if we all do this, we're going to make it to jury. Um, that, that was never really, like jury's a big motivator for some people. So like that's that's one of the areas, especially early on. Oh, the house wants to do this. Let's stick with it. We'll all make it to jury. If that's something that's important to someone, which it might be because different people have different goals in the house, then yeah, that's one reason. But I, I think that will always happen in uh, a social game that starts from the individual standpoint is early on the house decision. Like, hey, as long as it's... It, it's like the the Sandra, as long as it's not me, you know? That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think jury is always a consideration, but also not to... Well, this is... I promise this is the last time we'll mention Kant. No, maybe it won't. Um, you, can, but, you can mention uh, Kant as many times as you want to mention Kant. <laughs> no, <I don't, laughs> um, the idea that, you know, planning for the future... Like, when you make a decision, it has to be... I don't want to say morally right because Big Brother's not a game of morals, but it has to be the right decision at the time. And if you're playing, if if you're trying to play 3D chess, it's a very difficult thing because you're you're supposing A will lead to B, B will lead to C, and I think some people can fall under the jury trap where, I mean, that's kind of I, I think one of the pivotal points of the game was when Gino spent his first HOH removing the probably second his second like most likely key ally 
And I think in a lot of ways that there were some people in the house who were playing to such an extent to avoid the block and, and just in fear of it versus, you know, if you get on the block, it's it's not like you want to be on the block. But if you have the votes, it's okay to go there. And if you have, like, this deathly fear, then you're kind of setting yourself up, like Summer's case, to go in a triple eviction because, you know, that's a point where you can get rid of somebody like that and not have to deal with them being – I've heard – and this is kind of the beauty of Big Brother. I've heard that there are some people you didn't want to nominate somebody because they'd be pissed off at you for the week. That's a reality of the game. And yet those kinds of situations, that's what like double evictions are for, basically. And that's a great strategy. I mean, that the like some people this this wasn't my game. Like, I don't think anybody was was too afraid to to nominate me, except for a little bit of the sort of chaotic side. Like I would say, you know, I'd sometimes say like uh, and I was serious at the time, like, hey, maybe if I'm HOH, I'll spin the wheel for one of the nominations. I think those kinds of things, like, maybe scare people off from nominating me a little bit because it's like, oh, Kevin's a little bit of wild card. What will he do? Um, but but compared to other people in the house, like, if people are afraid of nominating you early in the game, amazing. Great. Like, if you're going to avoid the block for that reason, yeah, you'd have to adjust at some point. But if somebody's terrified to put you up, that's, like, the best place to be in. As a as a game player, are you are you a are you a believer in pawns? I think the more Big Brother I watch, the more I realize that pawns don't really exist. And yet, that's not that's kind of an oversimplification. But I think the idea of telling somebody they're uh, they're a pawn is is a challenge because to them they're not a pawn, and pawns go home all the time. Sure. I mean, let's talk gummy bears for a second. Uh, let's say <laughs> that the the theoretical point of the gummy bears for Marty is to create a true pawn. So he didn't just want to do it that week where, um, and I know not all your listeners are, are big brother listeners, so I'll give some context here. Um, there was a head of household and he had to nominate someone from his own alliance. I was one of those people. He made us pick uh, gummies out of a, a can and the person who got the red gummy got nominated and actually eventually went home. Um, but if that went well, the idea with Marty was that at the triple, he would also do, we would also do the gummies and he would have his gummy in there and we would pull it and that person would be a pawn and we would all agree. That's almost a way to have a perfect pawn. Like, I don't know how you could perfectly uh, create that, and get people to agree to it. But that's done in a way where it's not personal. Um, it takes the personal out of it. It takes some of the blood off the HOH's hands. Um, if everyone is actually committed to each other and they all agree to it, maybe there is. But if it's just, hey, I'm putting you up as a pawn, um, I don't want to say that there isn't a, a perfect scenario, but it, it is hard to not take it personally. It is hard not to think, okay, I'm expendable to this person. Um so yeah, I, I don't I don't know what the perfect pawn scenario is. We didn't really have one. In a lot of seasons, if somebody survives the block like two times in close proximity in two or three weeks, like that person becomes your pawn, and then there's a pretty good chance that whoever's beside them will go home. But otherwise, it's kind of a difficult situation. Yeah, I mean that's that's very interesting. And and Marty Marty's a very fascinating uh, player for. Uh, he was just an impossible read on the live feeds, and a lot of time you're just wondering. Like, I one of the great moments of the whole show was when he was trying to talk theory with you, and like, does this work? And you're like, if you do that, I think you'll just win a hundred thousand dollars. And you're thinking then they're like, Marty, like, how could you, how could you listen to this and believe this guy? And yet it was perfect. You sold it really well. Um, was the five as an alliance for listeners? The five was. Um, Kevin, Helena, uh, the showman's Gino and JC Lynn and, and Marty. It kind of like seemed like it unfolded as a marriage of convenience. And yet like JC Lynn and Gino seem to like really buy into it. And I, I think like an outsider would, would see that it's, 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 it's a kind of a tricky tightrope and you're all just kind of in there. And cause I mean, that's kind of the, somebody like me you don't you don't want to think like okay the alliances are all made on the first day and yet at, like when you're talking about a mid-season alliance and you pulled off a couple of these you had the five and then you're you, you know bringing josh in for the crash test dummies i mean you did that better than a hell of a lot of people in your position would have um 
but I, I think in a lot of ways, the way you escape bloodshed was because they didn't really take it personal. And this is kind of an alliance first, like an alliance for today versus an alliance. I mean, it was a final five, but I, I don't think people can go into final fours or final fives so far out and, and expect that that's going to be the case because it's such a week to week game. Um, so I think it changed. Uh, I think when it started, it was a bunch of people who were just kind of looking for a place in the game. Jason and Gino were sort of on their own. Um, Marty had been working with uh, Helena and me separately. Um, he didn't really have an idea that we were connected yet. Um, and then him and Gino had this sort of thing. I don't know how to describe what their thing was. Uh, but they had they had something happening. The first vote where we voted together was the Tanisha vote, and Jess was supposed to be like mixed in with this group, but Jess went home and we almost flipped on Gino seconds later. Next thing you know, Marty's HOH. Uh, Herbon goes home that week. Then the next week, Gino tried to backdoor Marty and decided against it like the day before. Then the next week, Marty put up Gino. So in terms of alliances, it's not the most successful. I think, I think what could have been better would be if the five of us actually got in a room earlier on and had a discussion about it. But just from my perspective, if I went to the final five with Gino, Marty and JC Lynn, like I'm, I'm number four in that group. I think I, th- I, I maybe even number five in terms of like winning chances. No, I'm, I'm, I'm number four. Um, it just wouldn't make sense for me. Like, are you really going to get out the three people that you need to get out at the final five? Like you need a little bit of, a little bit of leeway there. So for me, it didn't work. I think eventually by the time the the gummies were happening for Jace, Gino and Marty, it was the five they wanted, but it was just not a good situation for me personally. I remember distinctly the episode of the, the double eviction you figure out as Josh is leaving the diary room as you're voting that Josh didn't go for it. And I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, but he, maybe he knew that Betty wasn't going to go for it. And then that, that kind of fell apart and Helena and Marty voted for Gino to me like that, that could have been, and, and this is where like greatness of like greatness is not, you know, nobody plays a perfect game from start to finish. And it, it, it Correct me if I'm wrong, but like Jess surviving over Gino was way better for your game than than Gino surviving, right? At the time, so I thought, yeah, just because I was very committed to Helena and Josh at that stage, and uh, Jess had told us, "I'm never coming after you." She told, uh, sorry, they, they had told me, Helena and Josh, "I'm never coming after you three. So. Yeah, I mean, it just seemed obvious to keep Jess well, over Gino at that point. And Jess's main target being uh, Herman at the time was still around, and Moose was also yeah. still around at the time too. So, I mean, and, and I mean, there was like a, some very obvious tension between the, those players. So, I, I guess like having seen having seen showmances that almost weren't really showmances, like Big Brother Three, Roddy and Kiara getting split apart, like that wasn't really a strong showmance at all. And I, I don't know whether J- Gino and JC Lynn were totally the strongest showmans. It seemed like odd to me, Gino being this double-edged sort of good player and showmans, and JC Lynn had won the very first veto, so it wasn't like she was a bad uh, uh, comp player either. And it seemed like there was this great resistance to targeting them that I never really understood. I... I, I mean, I, I wanted to, to work with them for a long time. And I think part of it was that there's no harm. And like a showman's is a decent strategy. It, like I, they, they, I don't think they get enough credit for the way that they executed on it. And that Gino did kind of have this relationship with Herman and Moose uh, and Marty. JC Lynn had a relationship with me, Helena, Jess, just sort of spreading out and having people everywhere. Cause you, being a public duo like that, if I'm close with JC Lynn, I'm, I'm not going after Gino, right? Um, I just wanted to make sure that I was one of the closest people to the showmance. Uh, I, I mean, I would have even been happy in a final three of the three of us. That wouldn't have scared me too much. It's not my ideal scenario. But as long as you're like the the third wheel or or even the fourth, it's it's really not bad. It's not a scary thing to be, and it's actually kind of nice to have people who you know won't turn on you. 
That's interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, when Jess got sent home, I think Big Brother, I mean, you can play Big Brother like a game of vengeance. It makes for great television. Like, this was for, I mean, the sure. way that, the way that, uh, the way that the Steph eviction was set up, it was almost like it was sort of vengeance for Jay's eviction. Like, the house just, like, turning against this. Well, actually, that's actually a good place for my next question. At, there was a point very early in the game, you had just been on the block, and there are two seven-person alliances in the house with, I think, a, an overlap, nine people within the two seven-person alliances, and you're on the outside of that. And, I mean, from your perspective, you probably don't know exactly what the alliance looks like, but you probably know there's... I mean, were you aware that there was like a big alliance there that you weren't a part of? Uh, you have to assume. I had, I had a pretty good idea who was in it. Um, I think I think I knew like six out of the seven of of the savage seven but I, but like it, you, you aren't sure you just have to assume and i assume going in a big alliance would be formed in the first couple of weeks and i wouldn't be a part of it so then it's okay how do you play that uh i knew for a fact kyle was going to be in it so i had to get close to kyle early on um i figured gina would but but had some trouble with him i also knew summer and tanisha um were kind they, they weren't in the the retreat but they were kind of involved with everyone a little bit so keeping those two close was really important early on for me and i figured between my relationships with summer tanisha and kyle like those three were were enough where i could be like on the outside it's almost it's almost good to be sort of but then you have somebody like marty who they who is on the outside there being being played as well it, it's it's kind of a hard thing to navigate but i i knew where I knew Kyle was at the center of it and I needed to be close to him because of that. It was okay that I wasn't in it. Well, right. And, and when Kyle was on, I was talking like a seven person Alliance is a tower of Jenga. That's basically one move away from falling over. It's, it's, it's a bomb that, you know, the first person to kind of like wave their arm and just sent like a draft of wind toward it is the thing's going to blow up. Um, See, I don't think so. You don't? I, 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 no, I, I mean, I, I don't think it's impossible. It's just that Herman was basically the only person who was trying to keep everything together. You can't assume it, with whatever alliance that everything's going to be smooth sailing the entire time, but you do need people to be trying to patch it together. Like things are going to go wrong. People will disagree. You're living together in a high stress situation. Uh, and Herman's the only one who's like trying to get everybody to, to, to stay together, which is not good because then at the first sign of, of dissent, if somebody says, oh, we got to target this person at this point, then all of a sudden that's, that's where the, the Jenga tower falls. That You see, that's, that's, that's very interesting. Um, I'm thinking of two, two, I mean, Two of the most memorable alliances, at least in my mind, would be the Sovereign Six, which was a terrible dysfunctional alliance straight from the start, but it was incredibly entertaining. That's from Big Brother Six. And then BB Can Nine with the Sunsetters, that was a really good alliance that cannibalized itself ahead of its time when they decided to go for Kiefer. And that basically led to Jensen getting tossed out because Tashan realized that everybody was expendable. So I guess the the propensity of of alliances of ma massive alliances to turn their fire inward when i mean we also we did we did some commodities when Kyle was on and i was like you know an ally who's never going to vote against you is the second best thing that you can have to being HOH basically but within that and i guess having seen the way that you played I mean, it's a smart strategy to be uh, friendly with, like, the nucleus, but also to not have any of the blood on the hands when in inevitably, because you're going to have sour grapes when people, uh, you know, it's seven personal alliance can't last forever. I, I can't really think of a, a season where this an alliance like that just coasted and there wasn't, like, some sort of drama eventually. One of the things I didn't expect is that these things don't happen organic. Uh, these things don't happen inorganically. Like it's very hard, or at least in this season, you couldn't really pull like five people into a room and be like, the six of us are going to do this thing. It has to, you have to really lay the groundwork there. Like you have to make sure that within the six, each person has five relationships that can work uh, to an adequate degree. So like... <sighs> But I look at something like the Sunsetters and I say that's a really successful alliance. Right. Like, yeah, they weren't the top six, but if, if I remember right, uh, Latoya and Kiefer were on the block together on eviction night. And then um, 
I think it was was it only Braden left when they when they turned on each other? Braden and Terry. Uh, Spicy, Spicy V had gotten rid of Latoya a while ago in a move that was beautiful when she uh, when she had uh, she wanted Latoya out. Latoya was on the block against Kiefer. This is like maybe week four or five. Um, and Jensen was going to pull Latoya off, and Spicy V said, "Well, if you do that, I'm putting Tashawn up." And then Jensen didn't do it, um, which was. I mean, a move that 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 plus the secret HOH put Spicy V as in in sort of the goat status, but uh, probably blew up her game uh, targeting Latoya. Uh, it was beautiful to watch. It was great TV. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the interesting thing is alliances. It, there was such a beauty in the way that you and Helena allied so mm. quickly early on, because I mean, that's what you're supposed to do when you go in there. Find somebody who's who no one's yeah. going to look at and say, "This is my ally." And yet, at the same time, um, there's nothing. Nobody likes to see like an alliance of okay, we walked in together, which is what Kyle and Marty did. But there's other there's other seasons where you know people are around a hot tub and they're like, "This is the alliance." That's that's not a strong foundation. Um, were you worried about like those kind of situations happening? Like, how, how does the paranoia level? Is it worse in the beginning? Is it worse later? Or does it just never go away? It never goes away. I'd say the first like two, three weeks, it was it was quite bad just because, you know, once you're on the block and you know what that feels like, then you just, it, again, like you get locked in from there. Um, but you always have to be thinking about those things. Uh, as for like not being in the majority alliance that was formed early, just knowing that there's a 95% chance that this thing exists was also helpful. Cause it's like, uh, I'll, I'll use a, a bad survivor analogy, like an idol gets played and then the idol goes back into circulation. You know, it's in circulation. Um, like just knowing that there's something out there helps to play because you're thinking about that thing. You might not know all the details about it, like who has the idol or who's in the majority alliance, but because you know it's out there, you can factor it into your gameplay, right? Right. And I well, and within your season in particular, you had the uh I mean, people were constantly talking about secret powers. I mean, were you worried the fact that there that there had been uh, a, a fake eviction last year, w w were you not worried that that was going to happen again? Because those almost never happen in back to back seasons. We were pretty concerned about um, uh, Helena and JC Lynn coming back in some sort of battle back. Just the uh, it, it usually happens, but something seemed weird about the proximity of the eviction days. It was like days sixty two and sixty four. Uh, and we were also wondering about the length of the season a little bit. And by the end, by those last two weeks, we were all so out of it. Um, so there, there, that was the one time where we thought there might be somebody coming back. So one of, uh, along those lines, one of the great videos, you slept in Josh's bed with your shoes on because of the, the, the countdown to there's, so this season there were a lot of yeah. secret doors, which was, I mean, it was so fun to watch the, the way that the way that they did the house for your season was just absolutely yeah, that's cool it's it's one of the reasons why i think a lot of people prefer bb ken to i mean i love the bb uh u.s house i live about 40 minutes away from it uh it's great but i mean there's no comparison i mean your house is way better uh and and the way that they designed it was just so beautiful but there are all these secret doors and you guys all knew that in the middle of the night it was gonna go off and you you fell like sprinting out or I, Helena fell, I think actually. Yeah, she took um, a real tumble. She ran into the she ran into the red door. You never want to touch the red door. The red door is is eviction. Well, so how about that? Like all of that, like suspense, and then you you find that it's actually a Wendy's breakfast. Was that was that, what? I mean, was that like? I guess you, you out there's the outside food uh benefit, but then there's the you know I, all of this tension for this. Was it was was it a letdown or was it a just a wonderful? <laughs> it's all it's all a blur to me. I mean, it's it's like I really barely slept that night. I, I should have I should have slept in 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 my own room. I mean, in hindsight, but like I would do that a, a thousand times. Whatever, I'll sleep I'll sleep in that room and try to get there first. Um, the advantage it was an advantage it was an advantage in the hoh comp it's just nobody really took advantage of it except me and i still lost like 
we could practice. We had time there to practice the actual comp. I thought they would add like another layer or two to the final thing to, to, to the actual comp, but it was that. I thought we might go out to the backyard to do it or something, but that was the comp. So I don't know. <laughs> Uh, speaking of comps, um, I, I, my belief is that, like, as as if, if I were to go in and I was HOH, I would do nothing but target people who can win comps. And, I mean, your season, there, I mean, there were a lot of comp threats, but there were also a lot of multiple HOH winners. Um, there were a lot of people who were not comp threats. Mm-hmm. And I think about, like, the balance of you know, there's obviously some comps you want to throw. But you don't want to be seen as somebody who can't win or is not even trying to win because then you're less of an ally and you have to walk the tightrope of not being seen as too much of a threat, but also being seen as less yeah. of a threat than somebody else they could target. I guess the question would I, I don't know how you I don't know how you balance all of that. Like and that's kind of where when people are comparing you to Will to Dr. Will, I mean Will gave up his final competition to get a, to he, he he was set up perfectly that he could throw that in BB2 and get a, a booby prize which was better he got this rollaway donut that was never seen in the show again I don't know where the donut went um and he uh but he was set up perfectly because he knew if he threw it to Monica she would get rid of uh he was just screwing over Hardy at the time um you you clearly in a lot of these comps were trying to win I mean I don't know how many yeah. threw or, or not but is, was it important about how your effort level was seen to people? Because I, I constantly on the live feed saw people evaluating the fact that Josh kept finishing in second, and then Josh got hoisted up as this huge, huge threat. And I don't know, maybe he was, maybe he wasn't. Like maybe somebody like J.C. Lynn or Betty who won effort, some some decent comps, like maybe they were undervalued. Helena won a good one. I mean, I don't know. It it, it seems like that's such a tricky tightrope to navigate. Yeah, I think you have to evaluate where you're playing from because not a, it's like the the not everybody's playing from the same position. Like let's let's just go to the physical side of things with with Gino, right? People are gonna assume that Gino, based on his physical attributes, is amazing at comps. Gino won two mental comps, right? So that can also change the perception around him. With me, like I'm not the most athletic person, like it's going to be hard for me to change that the perception around me winning like again something physical or an endurance comp so i think you have to consider where you're playing from as as well as that like herman used to say something about like take your wins where they come i kind of agree with that because there's this idea of um I'm going to throw comps at the beginning of the game and then comp out at the end. Like you have to be so incredibly talented in so many different ways to be able to do that. So that's virtually impossible. So I'm of the idea that like you should try in most comps. Yeah. If you're playing the perfect game, go ahead and and throw some and yeah, and that's important. But like if you're you can't you can't guarantee wins ever and it's very hard to make it to the end again this is me talking i recognize that without a certain number of wins or hohs so like it it, that's such a fine balance i would say rather win and make your decisions from there than throw comps and then be in in a a worse position you might you might try and win and lose all the comps anyway the idea of like the resume is kind of in some ways, it's an oxymoron because the game does not reward you winning every other HOH. That just guarantees that the one HOH you don't win is the one you're getting sent home on. Uh, if if all you do, like the 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 idea of the comp beast is, uh, the comp beast generally isn't the one who wins. And maybe that maybe people just haven't figured out the comp beast metagame. Like maybe there is a route to do that. It's just that people aren't haven't figured out how to how to play that. Yeah, I mean, that kind of plays into the other theory that probably my most favorite to chew on, which is the idea that, you know, the the, the idea of targeting somebody because that they could be a great social threat later on or that, you know, deciding in week two that somebody could win it all. I mean, anybody could win it all for basically any number of reasons. It's it's hard It's hard to identify somebody as, like, an absolute threat to win. And yet, like... Like Tishon was labeled that very early in his season, and he won. Um, and I think like because it's weird with that final. Tishon and Braden kind of le- like 
I, I mean, Tashawn, I guess, didn't leave a, a sour taste in, like, getting rid of Beth or Jetson and, and got kind of lucky. Because I guess, like, the idea of a salty jury, it, it's so hard to predict. Like, I, I guess if, if, yeah. the logic, if the logic that it delivered your win was applied to the last season, Braden probably would have won. You can't, but that's a thing. Like, each right. each season is its own thing with 16 or 14 people in the case of BBCAN 9, where you have to navigate what that situation is. And maybe we were basing some of our idea in the house of like, you know, Josh won uh, the final two HOHs on last season where, right, like the jury rewarded those comp wins at the end. Uh, so I think you have to be able to navigate what kind of game you're playing in there and go from there. Who was the harder multi-HOH to navigate, Gino or... Uh... I almost I almost loaded the question and I almost said Gino or Hurricane Marty, but um because Marty's Marty's HOHs were pretty wild. Um who was the harder um, one for you though? I I actually might say Gino because I, I was working more closely with Marty, so at least I had an idea of where he was heading, even if, if I disagreed with it or wanted him to do something else. Um like Marty would, would express it. That's, that's part of, of the joy of, of working with him in some ways. Like he's going to be very open about what he's doing. Uh, Gino is a little bit more guarded. So when he was looking to backdoor Marty, uh, Josh had told me that, but Gino told me and used like reasonable logic. Hey, I'm going to put moose and, and summer up. Um, so I actually would, would say Gino was, was more so. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting as as a player to watch. Like, it did seem likely, at least I guess Gino's second HOH, that you could be put on the block. And yet, the two of you were very close. You had your uh, cuddle moments a few times. That, I mean, those were going viral on or Big Brother Twitter was really loving that. Um, and I guess that plays into like the social game. Was it difficult for you to? I mean, I the key a, a common strand among a lot of Big Brother winners is you you don't rock the boat, and there are some people who like create drama. A lot of winning sure. Big Brother is to not lose Big Brother by like pissing people off, I guess. And yet you're in there, you're in the house for seventy plus days. You're a human being. It's it's a pressure. It's designed to be a pressure cooker. Um, I think too, like when Jay was on uh, earlier this month, they were telling me that a, a big common something that would drive me nuts was when the Expedia room opened up and there was all the sand all over the place. Like that would drive me crazy. And yet like you're in a house, <laughs> just little things like that, I guess. And you, you managed to just get through that and, and not, not create lasting enemies. How hard was that? I think of like a, like a dirty car, like it's dirty on the outside. Um, and you know, you're going to the car wash later. Like, it doesn't really matter how dirty it gets on the outside. You're going to the car watch. I think having the house be a finite amount of time really helped me to not get too upset by things like the living conditions or by, like, a little argument or how somebody wants to, um, you know, put their clothes in the house. Because this is all – it's all finite, right? Like, it's going to end after – it was a 69-day season, after 69 days. Uh, so it's like, why would I, I – lose it over something small or even something big in there that's not a permanent thing like i find i'm somebody who i'll get more aggravated with things in my life that i have to do at some point so like i have to clean my 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 closet out here right i have to do that that's more upsetting to me than like cleaning the drawers in the big brother canada house or living out of a bag because i know that's going to end so if somebody like pissed me off or upset me in there like it's also just part of the game. So it doesn't serve me to get upset by something small or by something big in there. And also if somebody else who I am working with or who I care about in there is being upset by that, I'm happy to be that, like the, the helping hand because generally, and I'm not, I'm not saying absolutely, but generally in the house, like negative energy doesn't lead you anywhere it can there are strategies where like a fight with somebody or something like that can be advantageous but for the most part like you just if it, 
you got to play the game above where like your little like human emotions are. That sounds a little, that sounds a little screwed up, but I, I, it's, it's a fact. Like I'm not going to lose, lose it over something small. Well, yeah. And I, I think it's a key also to keep your cool after votes happen. Like I'm thinking when Steph got evicted and then when, I guess when Gino got evicted, I mean, JC Lynn would be right in both of those instances to like be very angry. Did, you know, sure. blowing up at Kyle or blowing up at, I don't, I don't even want to call it a blow up. She wasn't happy with you and Helena. Helena caught more of the uh, flack. At the end of the day, though, like the action's been done. Gino's gone. You're in the final five, uh, or that's before the, uh, before the, that's the night of the triple. Um, you still have to like work with these people. You have to like, Big Brother is not really a game. If you want to play Vengeance, it's not a smart, it's not, you can't, you know, you, you can't take the oath like Batman did and live your life of vengeance. You have to move on. You have to have a short-term memory. Revenge is, is not usually a, like, let's go outside of Big Brother. Like, I don't think revenge is generally a good thing to pursue. It doesn't, like, like I don't think an eye for an eye solves a lot. Like, we got, you gotta, you gotta, you get your eye, you gotta, you gotta meet this with, like, empathy. It's just, and, and by the way, like her, her, like once JC Lynn heard it was a triple, she like went into full beast mode and she won a comp right away. Like it was unbelievably right. impressive. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not a huge revenge guy. I don't see the, the, like, ah, <laughs> uh, maybe I am. Well, actually, you know what? I need to think about my, my opinions on revenge. Let me, let me. <laughs> I, you know, you, Let me hedge. you with your jury though. So Herman and Marty, I mean, I think Herman Herman took getting sent. I mean, Her, Herman took Her, Herman took his uh, eviction uh, very well and also mm-hmm. ra- rationally. I mean, you know, you weren't allies. Uh, you helped get him out. Uh, he took it quite well. And then Marty, who had, I guess, you know, from if you're watching by episode, he had blown up uh at summer uh he was very sort of paranoid and angry gets out of the house two seconds later and he's just like you know that if they betrayed me if they had this all along fantastic players he's like hats off to them and you're looking it's like yeah that's that's the way you leave big brother like that's it's really it's 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 about as class and uh, class act as they come um and you did you, you were therefore kind of beneficial of of not having a salty jury because you 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 know to go back to Kant. You didn't really. I mean, Marty got a little bit betrayed. Do you think Marty kind of understood at the end, like you know, he kept winning HOHs. He was a threat that you know his time had come. Yeah, I also think he. Yeah, yeah, I, I think he could feel it after he won uh, the, the the Mount HOH. Um, the energy around him winning was was not great. Like there were, there were seven of us. I don't think anybody really celebrated with him. Like I, I went over to congratulate him and it was very sort of somber. I think he could see that, that his time in the game was, was coming to an end. And also that's a pretty good final five for him with that group of five, him, Gino, JC Lynn, Helena, me, like that's actually a really good group. I think they would have been nervous about me as a jury threat. Uh, Cause they knew that I, that I was close with, uh, Josh and, and Summer and, and, and Betty also. So, yeah, I mean, he knew. He knew that his time was coming and that he just had to win. So this question is, I don't know how answerable it is because um, it's kind of an odd question. Okay. Is there a point in the game where trust stops kind of mattering? And the reason I bring that up, after the triple eviction, the you and Helena yeah. alliance is is uh, exposed. Obviously, like Josh was reaping the benefits of throwing his lot in with you. But at the same time, like when time comes for you to tell Josh, like, will you throw me the, the Wendy's comp, uh, the secret room? And he's like, yeah. And the three of you are in that room. It's clear that, I mean, maybe you, you probably trusted Helena, but like, it, it's clear that neither side really trusts each other all that much. But at the end of the day, like you kind of achieved what you were also kind of supposed to, like, you get there, you make an alliance not to get people. I mean, you can make a final two with somebody, but at the end of the day, like, you know, you're really just trying to get yourself within a stone's throw. And then from there, it's kind of like anything goes. That's how a lot of people describe Final Fours uh, early in the game. And you got there. 
did it i mean did trust like did it really matter at that point or you just kind of at everybody you're at a single person's mercy at that essentially at that point you'd think you'd be at a single person's mercy but i had full trust in alina at that point like and i mean i think josh and i joked around a lot like i i don't i don't i wouldn't have been that upset if he betrayed me like I, I know that's a weird thing to say, but, but like we we did the the best we could have done. The three of us was was top three. We didn't get there. We got to the final four as a three, which is which is pretty damn good. Um, I had sure it's an individual game, but like I, I would have taken Helena to the end. Like I was I was locked in there. That that's like it's so it's so rare. It's it's actually it's really. I mean, you're, you're the ghost. The ghost alliance is. Probably one of the all-time great. There wasn't even like really. I I'm struggling to think of a point where you like the, the two of you really would have been tempted to even betray the. Uh, it was just a magical uh, convergence of events. But also, that's kind of um. Your your season didn't really have when Kyle was on. We talked about how your season didn't have a lot of like true like true pawns in the traditional sense of riding the block. Um, you didn't really. Like Moose, Moose would be accused of playing the middle, which the more accurate thing to say was Moose was trying to play multiple sides. Your your house wasn't really divided by sides in the way that a lot of other seasons are, um, and, and and maybe that's also kind of carryover from uh, the previous BBCan Nine. Also, didn't really have that dynamic of side versus side. Um, Playing the middle in that regard, I mean, playing the middle and being a floater are two very different things that are often used kind of interchangeably. And I guess, like, it wouldn't be fair to, like, say, because you would say Moose is maybe playing the middle. No one would call Moose a floater, though. And you you and Helena were kind of floaters, but, I mean, what, you weren't really playing the middle. You were, in some ways, trying to stay out of the action, like, completely and, and just kind of, you know, avoid getting to the block. And yet, these are all things that people outside are kind of seeing. You don't know the alliances, like the the idea, the perception of the side. To like go back to uh, to invoke the Foucault's theory of the panopticon, you know, when you're in the house, you maybe think there's sides, but it's it's really tricky. There wasn't really sides. Nobody was really like. <sighs> yeah, and I think within that structure, the fact that we could be so close to me and Helena and and Josh really as our as our third who was like locked in for the most part um the fact that we could just maintain that helped to navigate whatever people were trying to do because it was so fluid week to week like nobody was throwing names on things there was there was a point in early on when like we were starting to to like the Tanisha vote was big and and I think the week after that or something uh, we were talking about like putting a name on it and nobody wanted to put a name. I did, but like JC Legito didn't want to put a name on it because that would be like, like cursing it or something. Um, <laughs> the, the ghosts were named. The crash test dummies were named. Like these were things that we locked in that we were in on. Um, and I think just because Kyle's week sort of broke the power structures in the house, having things that, uh, the crash test dummies grew out of that and then having the ghosts just be solid all the way through and help make that decision to keep josh like the fact that we actually had trust was a big differentiator that's very interesting you know when kyle was on i wrote out i spent about i spent probably collectively about 90 minutes in various hot tub visits gaming out how jo kyle could have gotten josh and i wrote it out just, just to see. You're the one person on the whole list. I mean, you can't really read. You can't read my handwriting if, if you were in the room looking at it. Um, <laughs> but you're the one person on the. And I did this mid-season. Um, you're the one person I could not figure out which way you would vote in a hypothetical. I told Josh the. I mean, I told Kyle that the only way that he could get Josh was if he had put up Tanisha or Summer, thereby basically locking in the Mandem votes against Josh, which was kind of the key of the swing. How would you have voted in a hypothetical Josh versus Tanisha or Summer? And this is pre, I guess, right before the crash test dummies. Yeah. I don't know. That's 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 a really, really hard one. Um, I was like I don't I don't know. 
and I guess that kind of ties into my question of um, there was this, and I guess you may have not known it at the time. I I, I have in in, in both uh, you know in the two BB Ken Ten episodes we've done I, that episode eight, the Steph eviction, just the production was, in my opinion, probably one of the greatest produced ep- the suspense and everything. It was one of the greatest episodes of reality television I'd ever seen. That's awesome. Like I really, I I was ecstatic. I was ecstatic for weeks about it. I was like, because you know, you watch you watch these shows, you watch them on and on, and you're, you're kind of used to the flow and everything. And it's like, wow, yeah. this is like genuine suspense. But within that was this kind of frantic from a lot of different sides. You know, Jess was trying to save Josh. Uh, a lot of people, Summer wanted to save Josh. Uh, a lot of people wanted to save Josh, and then you afterward decide to go to work with Josh. Was there apprehension that? Josh was maybe too connected for you to work with him or, or did you, or was that part of the appeal? No, I think Josh, uh, one of the things that we connected on was like looking at the game from a a little bit of a different perspective. And once we started chatting about that, like I, I had no apprehensions about working with him. The only thing was like, how close was he really with Betty and I guess that that was something that would carry on until finale night. Like that was the only question. I wasn't worried about his connections with Jess or, or Summer at all. It's 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 interesting that you know they they everybody rallies to save Josh, and then you know you get the chain of safety right afterward. I everything like it's it was almost like it was a reset button in a lot of ways. Did like did you feel like the heat was off like after you after that happened, or is the heat never off? As soon as what Kyle won HOH that week, like I was, I was chilling. Like there was no, I was not worried about my safety at all. And I felt like I was close enough with him that he would pull me into whatever structures existed at that point. Um, but then he, he kind of broke the house and, and we, we had to, to, to make, I mean, and we being like nine of us had to make this move to keep Josh. Um, after that, like the pressure was off, and then when when the double came around, like I really wasn't too nervous about going home. So w- within that, one of the things that I really enjoyed that you did with Marty. So Marty got that immunity, America or not America, Canada, um, Canada's immunity, uh, and you basically were like, "Well, why do you have this? You know, there come that means you're in trouble." And in reality, he wasn't like on my Facebook page. Everybody was on Team Marty, and I think on the regular BB Ken uh, page, everybody was pro Marty. Maybe it was just like older. I don't know. Uh, maybe people really liked Marty, but he wasn't really in danger at that. It was an odd immunity for him to win. Um, versus like summer later on, it's mids anybody could go. Uh, when summer got the same thing basically down the road. Um. Does that stuff like play in like that the the idea of outside the the potential fan votes tipping? I mean, I guess that was really the only one, but it's it's outside information and it could be a red herring. You don't know, or you just kind of use every every bit of information to try to spin it to your advantage. Because <laughs> you painted that you're outside, you're by the pool. I remember it quite well. It was it was brilliant. I was laughing. I, I that episode. Listener, if you haven't seen any BB, get a VPN. Go watch, go watch episode eight. It's it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> but you're telling him, you're like America, they're gonna betray you. They're coming after you. And if Marty, if Marty had stuck to Kyle, Gino, and I guess by token, Jason Lynn, if the four of them had allied, they would have had the whole game with the HOHs and everything. Yeah, they they, they would have done really well. Well, that I mean, that's kind of where you escalate into uh, kind of goat territory. Like I know you wouldn't label that; you'd label that Will Will Kirby. I mean, you're one of the greatest players of the modern era, mostly because you were able to capitalize on uh, other players had this game in the bag, and you took it out of there. You you took the bag away from them. Like I like to think of like performance on an exam or something as like like let's say you do really well on an English exam, okay. I'm, I'm, I did my undergrad in English. I like I to think of me too. And masters. I, I, I know. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do my research. Um, <laughs> so let's say you do. Let's say you get a hundred percent on an English exam. I like to think of that as like performance at one period over that 
time, right? So like whatever this game is representative, it's one performance over one period at one time. Um, I think if you put like a lot of these people back in, they do. Like I think if you give a, a few people a, a, a second chance in the cast in a couple years, like they're going to do ex- exceptionally well. Yeah, I, I, well, that's kind of the beauty of Big Brother. Like, we can apply ethics, we can apply morality, you can say it's comp threat, social threat. Yeah, it's 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 this great, uh, it's this great, you know, it's this great, So, I mean, the game started as a social experiment. I think a lot of the more international Big Brothers want to hype, hype that. I like the comps. I think the injection of Survivor into it was the absolute genius move. That, the reason it's still on air years and years later um but i mean the way the way you were able to play i think a lot of super fans want to like interject ourselves into the game and say like what we would do so to get like somebody who's such a big fan as you are like i remember mid-season uh there was a video that surfaced uh of you like talking on a podcast about big brother you told a story that reminded me of my dad during covid you had wine that was you you, you were faking a wine tasting because you didn't have it because of the order <laughs> and alcohol my dad my dad had that same problem um but I mean, like you went in, you went in and played a game that nobody thought was possible, uh, or that people didn't think could be played, and you had to kind of escape the trope of the villain, the the grand mastermind. Yeah. That at least Ramon and Jay knew about, um, and and and, and you, to rise above all of that and, and and win the whole thing, and it's it's really, I mean, that was just such a beautiful thing to watch. It, it's truly, I think it's a top five season of of them all. That that makes me so happy. I was really just trying to change the meta so that I could be more entertained in future seasons. I'm, yeah, I'm joking. It, I'm not serious. Uh, but like, it is. It is like I played a game that also would be fun. I think for me to watch, like I would get a kick out of things that I was doing because I was like, but I was never playing to like canada as they as you know mario like to call it i was just playing to myself i was like this is fun for me this is something i would enjoy watching and also having fun was my number one priority because like thinking of of the game just as a giant board game where there are twists and turns and you can get screwed by who knows what i'd rather go in and focus on having a blast uh and maybe two or three other things than being completely outcome oriented whether i won or was first evicted I mean that's a great way of putting it. I mean, I know you 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 you're kind of joking when you said about the meta thing, but I mean, let's face it, broadcast television is at a state where we don't really know what 5 years in the future will look. We don't really know what 3 years in the future will look. We don't know what the future of broadcast television in US and Canada is, where the place of Big Brother is going to be moving forward and what BB Kang tended. And I mean BB Kang 9 was also an absolute fantastic season. Uh, but what you were able to do is remind everybody of, hey, this game has so much life left in it. It's, it's. I mean, I'm not the only one to, you know, to, toot its horn. I mean, this this was a season defined by uh, stellar gameplay from start to finish, real organic twists, the flip, the gummy bear, all sorts of like the Josh, the Josh and Betty narrative. Uh, you and Helena. I mean, the, these were all character, literally characters. I mean, that's how it goes. We could bring Adorno in there too. If you want to go back to theory. Um, your characters, there were a lot of people to root for. It was a really great final five. It was, it was, this was, this was such a good, I mean, they, they give casts, uh, seasons to watch when they're in sequester. BB24 is in sequester right now as, as we talk. Um, I, they should give them your season. I, I think they give them Big Brother 15. Uh, that's what Janelle says on Twitter. Um, so I'll just go with that. Janelle is one of the all time greats. Um, yeah, I, I, it was it was truly it was beautiful to watch. I mean, I, this is it's been two months now, and we're still talking about it. I, I guess final question is, you know, looking back on it all, a how are you doing, and b, I mean, what a ride. <laughs> Not a question. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing well. Um, first couple weeks are hard getting out of the house. Just it's it's an experience on its own. Um, there are certain things and like stimuli that you would never expect or that you only get the pleasure or terror of experiencing when you've played the game and so like things i mean like uh crossing the street like i I, like weirdly the first day i was like overwhelmed by crossing the street um these are things that just you know you've been in this the same environment it's almost like the first couple of weeks in the house is like a compression period and then the first couple weeks out is 
this decompression period. Um, but now looking back on it, like, uh, I mean, it was such an incredible experience. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for, for a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. It was good for me to also go back to work because it's very easy to get like caught up in, in everything. Um, my number one focus right now is, is on, on work. Well, I'm, you know, with, with that said, I'm Kevin. I, I it, it really, it's, it's an honor. I, I loved this season. I've talked about in other episodes. Um, Celebrity Big Brother got me through one breakup, and then BB King came around to get me through another one that I squeezed in in the couple weeks period. How <laughs> about that? <laughs> in between, um, it, it, you know, this is comfort food to millions of people, uh, and, and people who, will, when it comes on Paramount Plus, people will have the chance to go back, uh by all measures of the rankings, they'll go back and they'll check out your season above a lot of the others. Cause it was such strong gameplay. I mean, we know we like to say it's just television, but uh, this was one for the ages and uh, so happy. you know, you're too modest to say it. I will. You're, you're, you're one of the, you're one of the all time greats, I think probably of the game, uh, but certainly one of the best players of the modern era. It was an absolute, uh, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. It was an even bigger pleasure to watch you play. Uh, it was beautiful. If we never, if we never get a big brother season as good as this one again, I'll still talk about it years down the road. I loved it. It was so good. That's so nice. I, I hope it holds up and, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah. And you're in, uh, you're in, you're in Toronto, which I love. I hope to get back up there. My grandfather is a member of the Royal Canadian military Institute. So I grew up the little that. gay, little gay kid with all the military people. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> great great city i saw you were at a blue jays game hope to get up there anyway kevin you should go pleasure thank you <laughs> been a pleasure and to everybody listening thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time